Long History, Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, Part 5, The Spanish in the Caribbean. Welcome everyone to the latest episode of Long History, and at the moment we're looking at a series about Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, and these are all based around documents relating to the permission that Queen Elizabeth gave to Sir Walter Raleigh to explore and settle the Virginia coastline. He didn't actually go there himself, but he sponsored these voyages and settlements. Here on Long History, we take documents from the Age of Exploration and then split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes or so. In this way, hopefully helping to make these rather dense documents sometimes a bit more digestible. These are the very source documents of history and we've covered many famous explorers, including Sir Francis Drake, so there's lots to explore, either on your podcast provider or on longhistory.net, our website, where all our 300 plus episodes are gathered together. Now the numbering is a bit confusing for this particular document. We've got 18 parts in total to this series, Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia, and it covers seven documents. These documents in turn cover five voyages and then around a year in the life of the settlers on the North American continent. Right, well, this is episode 5 of the 18-part series, and we're starting with the second journey here. In previous episodes, we've listened to Elizabeth giving Raleigh permission to settle these lands, and then we've heard about the first journey to explore this area, and particularly a place called Roanoke. In the first voyage, the men met the local people, who seemed to be quite hospitable, but we also see the colonial ambitions of the English. Right, so let's get going with the second journey. This is Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. Part 5. The Spanish in the Caribbean. The voyage made by Sir Richard Greenville for Sir Walter Raleigh to Virginia in the year 1585. The ninth day of April, in the year above said, we departed from Plymouth, our fleet consisting of the number of seven sails, to wit, the Tiger, of the burden of seven score tons, a flyboat called the Roebuck, of the like burden, the Lion of a hundred tons or thereabouts, the Elizabeth of fifty tons, and the Dorothy, a small bark, whereunto were also adjoined for speedy services two small pinnaces. The principal gentlemen of our company were these, Master Ralph Lane, Master Thomas Candish, Master John Arundel, Master Raymond, Master Stukeley, Master Bremage, Master Vincent, and Master John Clark, and diverse others, whereof some were captains, and others some assistants for counsel and good directions in the voyage. The fourteenth day of April we fell with Lanzarote and Fuerteventura, Isles of the Canaries, and from thence we continued our course for Dominica, one of the Antilles of the West Indies, wherewith we fell the seventh day of May, and the tenth day following we came to an anchor at Cotessa, a little island situate near to the island of St. John, where we landed, and refreshed ourselves all that day. The twelfth of May we came to an anchor in the Bay of Mosquito, in the island of St. John, within a falcon shot of the shore, where our general, Sir Richard Greenville, and the most part of our company landed, and began to fortify very near to the sea side. The river ran by one side of our fort, 
and the other two sides were environed with woods. The thirteenth day we began to build a new pinnace within the fort, with the timber that we then felled in the country, some part whereof we fed three miles up in the land, and brought it to our fort upon trucks, the Spaniard not daring to make or offer resistance. The sixteenth day there appeared unto us out of the woods eight horsemen of the Spaniards, about a quarter of a mile from our fort, staying about half an hour in viewing our forces. But as soon as they saw ten of our shot marching towards them, they presently retired into the woods. The nineteenth day, Master Candish, who had been separated from our fleet in a storm in the Bay of Portugal, arrived at Cotessa within the sight of the tiger. We, thinking him afar off to have been either a Spaniard or Frenchman of war, thought it good to weigh anchors and to go room with him, which the tiger did, and discerned him at last to be one of our consorts, for joy of whose coming our ships discharged their ordinance and saluted him according to the manner of the seas. The twenty-second day, twenty other Spanish horsemen showed themselves to us upon the other side of the river, who, being seen, our general dispatched twenty footmen towards them, and two horsemen of ours, mounted upon Spanish horses, which we before had taken in the time of our being on the island. They showed to our men a flag of truce, and made signs to have a parley with us, whereupon two of our men went half of the way upon the sands, and two of theirs came and met them. The two Spaniards offered very great salutations to our men, but began, according to their Spanish proud humours, to expostulate with them about their arrival and fortifying in their country, who, notwithstanding by our men's discreet answers, were so cooled that, Whereas they were told that our principal intention was only to furnish ourselves with water and victuals, and other necessaries whereof we stood in need, which we craved might be yielded us with fair and friendly means, otherwise our resolution was to practice force, and to relieve ourselves by the sword, the Spaniards in conclusion, seeing our men so resolute, yielded to our requests with large promises of all courtesy and great favour, and so our men and theirs departed. The twenty-third day our pinnace was finished and launched, which, being done, our general, with his captains and gentlemen, marched up into the country about the space of four miles, where, in a plain marsh, they stayed expecting the coming of the Spaniards according to their promise, to furnish us with victuals, who, keeping their old custom for perjury and breach of promise, came not, whereupon our general fired the woods thereabout, and so retired to our fort, which the same day was fired also, and each man came aboard to be ready to set sail the next morning. The twenty-ninth day we set sail from St. John's, being many of us stung before, upon shore with the mosquitoes, but the same night we took a Spanish frigate, which was forsaken by the Spaniards upon the sight of us, and the next day in the morning, very early, we took another frigate, with good and rich freight, 
and diverse Spaniards of account in her, which, afterwards, we ransomed for good round sums and landed them in St John's. The 26th day, our Lieutenant Master Ralph Lane went in one of the frigates which we had taken to Rojo Bay upon the south-west side of St John to fetch salt, being thither conducted by a Spanish pilot. As soon as he arrived there, he landed with his men to the number of twenty and entrenched himself upon the sands immediately, compassing one of their salt hills within the trench, who, being seen of the Spaniards, there came down towards him two or three troops of horsemen and footmen, who gave him the looking and gazing on, but durst not come near him to offer any resistance, so that Master Lane maugre their troops, carried their salt aboard, and laded his frigate, and so returned again to our fleet the twenty-seventh day, which rode at St German's Bay. The same day we all departed, and the next day arrived in the island of Hispaniola. June The first day of June we anchored at Isabella, on the north side of Hispaniola. The third of June the governor of Isabel and captain of the port de Plata, being certified by the reports of sundry Spaniards, who had been well entertained aboard our ships by our general, that in our fleet were many brave and gallant gentlemen, who greatly desired to see the governor aforesaid. He thereupon sent gentle commendations to our general, promising within few days to come to him in person, which he performed accordingly. The fifth day, the aforesaid governor, accompanied with a lusty friar and twenty other Spaniards, with their servants and negroes, came down to the seaside, where our ships rode at anchor, who, being seen, our general manned immediately the most part of his boats with the chief men of our fleet, every man appointed and furnished in the best sort. At the landing of our general, the Spanish governor received him very courteously, and the Spanish gentlemen saluted our English gentlemen, and their inferior sort did also salute our soldiers and seamen, liking our men, and likewise their qualities, although at the first they seemed to stand in fear of us, and of so many of our boats, whereof they desired that all might not land their men. Yet, in the end, the courtesies that passed on both sides were so great that all fear and mistrust on the Spaniards' part was abandoned. In the meantime, while our English general and the Spanish governor discoursed betwixt them of diverse matters, as of the state of the country, the multitude of the towns and people, and the commodities of the island, our men provided two banqueting houses covered with green boughs, the one for the gentlemen, the other for the servants, and a sumptuous banquet was brought in, served by us all in plate, with the sound of trumpets and consort of music, wherewith the Spaniards were more than delighted. Which banquet being ended, the Spaniards, in recompense of our courtesy, caused a great herd of white bulls and kin to be brought together from the mountains, and appointed for every gentleman and captain that would ride a horse ready saddled, 
and then singled out three of the best of them to be hunted by horsemen after their manner, so that the pastime grew very pleasant for the space of three hours, wherein all three of the beasts were killed, whereof one took the sea and was slain with a musket. After this sport, many rare presents and gifts were given and bestowed on both parts, and the next day we played the merchants in bargaining with them by way of truck and exchange of diverse of their commodities, as horses, mares, kinner, bulls, goats, swine, sheep, bull hides, sugar, ginger, pearl, tobacco, and such like commodities of the island. So that's the beginning of the second voyage sponsored by Sir Walter Raleigh, and this one is headed by Sir Richard Greenville. And it's a bit of a glimpse of the Spanish Caribbean at the time. If Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, this was 1585, almost a century later, and we can see that the Spanish was spread throughout the Caribbean. This is a remarkably merry episode, actually. Although the Spanish and the English are clearly wary of each other, they take great pains not to offend each other and to welcome each other, although the suspicion is always there in the background. In the next episode we'll finish off this journey and then we'll also look at the following journey, which is just a short document. Now the end of this journey and the following journey cover a lot of ground actually because between the two journeys some of the Englishmen will stay in Virginia for around a year and we also have a document covering that year. So I hope that makes sense, we've placed all these documents in sequence more or less, so you can just listen to them one after the other. There's lots to come so don't forget to subscribe and if you've liked this episode please don't forget to share it and like it if you can. This was Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, Part 5. The Spanish in the Caribbean. Goodbye.